and welcome to Paideia Conversations, where we dialogue about all things Paideia. I am your host, Melissa Cummings from Paideia Northwest. This is where you can listen in as Christian mamas discuss our purpose to raise our children in the nurture, admonition, instruction, and discipline of the Lord, His Paideia. Joining me today for this Paideia Conversation is my co-host, Jen Disher from Paideia Southeast, and the recent speaker and panel member from the Paideia Southeast event, Habits to Shape Hearts and Homes, Sarah Fragoso. We invite you into this conversation with us as we continue to practice, pursue, and implement Paideia. All right. Well, thanks for joining me this morning or this afternoon, I guess, for you all in the South. Um, for this little conversation, we get to chat about habits. And it's so fun to have Jen Disher from Paideia Southeast with me today. And then her friend, Sarah Fragoso, who I am absolutely delighted to meet because she spoke at an event last Saturday that I was 3,000 miles away from and couldn't attend. So this is my sneaky little way of being a fly on the wall when I couldn't actually be a fly on the wall. So good morning, ladies. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hey. And Sarah is one of my dear friends. And um, we did ask her to speak at a Paideia Southeast event on Saturday. Our theme was Habits to Shape Hearts and Homes. And we asked Sarah to specifically speak to some relational habits, habits of uh, discipleship. Um, and so then, so specifically relational habits in terms of how we interact with our kids. And I asked Sarah to do this because I think Sarah has the somewhat unique combination of both taking God's standards seriously and holding herself to those as well as her kids, but also having a really fun, joyful, um, loving home atmosphere. Um, and she, she, just, she doesn't just hold up the bar of, um, you know, of biblical standards and say, okay, kids, jump to it, <laughs> um, which, is, which is really easy to do. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's easy, yeah, just to hold it there. Um, she is so good about intentionally training her kids to reach that. Um, she really gets down on their level and, and works alongside of them with a really like, joyful spirit, which I just love. I have learned so much from Sarah over the years. I learned so much more even in her talk. I was taking notes as she was talking. And um, so I'm so happy that she's here. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Jen, for that introduction. Goodness. Um, no pressure. I, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have three children, a 12 and a half year old, he would want me to say the half, uh, an almost 11 year old and a nine year old. We live in Greenville, South Carolina. I used to live right by Jen and we moved. Um, and I live with my husband, Eric, and we are part of a church plant here, which we just love, Christ the King. And I've homeschooled for many years. Before that, I was a public school teacher. So that's about all I can think of. Wow. Okay. So what is your history with um, discipleship outside of your children? So you have three pretty close in age and they're all mm -hmm. in that sort of uh, 
tween, almost teen. So discipleship gets really real right around yes. that point. And yes, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's gotten harder in some ways. It takes more time, actually, it which is, has really been interesting. And actually, I should mention my youngest has Down syndrome. So she is actually still in that littler kid phase. Okay. So even though my three are close together, I, I do have sort of that gap where I'm still in the little years in some ways, even though we're moving into the preteen years. Sure. Yeah. The way that that nuances discipleship and relationship and habits, I would think right. would be, um, yeah, a unique thing that you could speak to. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So, um, Jen, you have specifics. Um, I'd love to know if you could just pepper Sarah with yeah. some, with some questions. For yes. This is very natural for me. I pepper Sarah with questions <laughs> often, often. Um, but I think, so the first one is just, just broadly, you spoke about relational habits habits of discipleship with your kids, kind of ways, um, maybe some, some of it is kind of like mental habits, ways of thinking about discipleship with your children on Saturday. So could you mention some of these habits of thinking or of, or of acting, you know, and get how to engaging um, with our kids um, that you mentioned on the Saturday event? Yeah, so the first thing I spoke about was making a habit of pouring into our kids. And I think for some people this comes naturally and for some people it doesn't. And so things like affection, um, I talked about pouring into yourself first, how we need to be in God's word daily as moms. Um, and then uh, also speaking scripture in our homes all the time, naturally just bringing in scripture to bear on, on every single thing that's going on. So that was the first thing I talked about. And then I talked about having a habit of, of pulling your children toward a vision of who you want them to be. I mean, really who God wants them to be, but that's what you're helping them toward. Um, and ways to use stories to do that. Um, and to really, as moms, think about how we're viewing childhood. Are we viewing it as, as this little enclave that we're creating for them where we want them to have this magical, beautiful, wonderful childhood and that's the end of what we're trying to do mm. or are we actually pulling them toward becoming someone and i think sometimes um, we can get so focused on the goodness and the beauty and the truth that we want to give our kids but that we forget that it's it's for something it's it's to help them to meet god's standards and it's to help them to grow and um, hopefully pass us my parents told me that they wanted me to be a better parent than they were. And I actually think that was such a tremendous gift. They've encouraged me in that um, as I've been parenting. And so I've already told my kids that, like, look, you're gonna start out in a better place than I did. And I would love for you to turn a profit on it. I would love for you to soar past me, like be where I am when you graduate from my home and then just take it and run with it. Um, so I, I think we need to pull our kids toward that and make sure we focus on that. And then the last thing I spoke about was uh, preparing and practicing with our kids to help them with these standards. So with little kids, practicing things like going to the grocery store before you leave, um, making sure that we follow through with discipline. And uh, with little kids, that might be something like 
will they or won't they participate? Like if you go to do ring around the rosy and they're pulling away from you, you need to follow through more. Um, or with older kids, if after discipline they're retreating to their rooms, that's a sign that you need to follow through. And then the last one was about having them take responsibility um, for themselves and for their emotions. And it's something that's kind of counterintuitive that I feel like we get backwards a lot, which is that when our kids are little, we tend to give them a very wide berth for their emotions and coddle them. I mean, they're so cute and they run to you and they want hugs and comfort. And it's so easy to indulge that emotion in some ways for our, for ourselves. Um, and then as they get older to be like, whatever, you're fine, you're old enough, deal with this. And I really think that's backwards. I think that when they're little is when we need to be like, you're fine, get up. Their emotions are simple. They're looking to mom to see how to react. You know, we've all seen the little kid that falls on the floor and doesn't cry until mom looks at him, you know? So I think we need to be a little bit uh, quicker with their emotions when they're young. And then as they get older and their situations are more complicated and more difficult, we need to take more time with those teens because um, they're really needing help sorting out difficult issues that they're facing in this current culture. That sounds like so much wisdom right there. Did you guys record the talk, Jen? No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that makes this even a more important conversation to me then, because this is the only opportunity to get that way on the wall there. I love it. Now, I want to ask you a question, Sarah, um, talking about emotions and children, just for a framework, do you have boys, girls, I know you said you have one daughter, your youngest is a daughter. Yes, I have a boy and two girls. So a the oldest is a boy. Two girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And one of the things about the emotion is that if you have dealt with them at a young age in this very matter of fact way, like, oh, I'm sorry that that kid's being unkind to you on the playground. Why don't you go play with someone else? And you're teaching them not to fret over evildoers. One thing about doing that is as they get older, they're only bringing you the more complicated problems. So yes, if a teenager you know, stubs his toe and is freaking out, you're still going to deal with that like dude i'm real sorry that hurts but calm down <laughs> but if they've if they've already had that when they're little then hopefully they're already exerting some emotional control over themselves as they're older and they're only talking to you about the complicated relationship dynamics that they're facing and how you said that when they're little but also when they're older they do this they turn and they look at their parents and they say, mm -hmm. okay, they saw that this just happened. How is my parent reacting? I think the other thing I've noticed is, especially my, I have a 10 and a half year old and a 14 year old, and they're both boys. They look and they watch when I stub my toe or right. when I slice myself with a knife or when I get emotionally offended or something. So they're also, looking to me to see how do I handle when I am poked either physically or relationally. For sure. But then, then also, like you said, um, they're looking to us for 
how do we want them to respond when they're the ones who are poked? Right. I think a way, um, Sarah was helpful, like in various seasons when my kids were younger, we had a lot to work through in this area, honestly, because I did not grow up um, really knowing how to manage my emotions well. So this was something I learned later in life and then was trying to teach my kids, but I kind of lacked like good language and like even like a good biblical framework to like talk things through with my kids. And so Sarah was helpful with that um, when my kids were, were younger. And one phrase that kept coming back to me in, in thinking through this stuff was, you're really helping your kids interpret reality. Like they're looking to you, they're, they're looking to you like, how should I respond here? What, is, how big a deal is this? And the reality is some things are a biggie. Like some things are really serious and significant, but most things on the day-to-day, if we're just talking about an average home, you know, average circumstances, there, if we were thinking of a scale of like one to 10, most things are in the one to three range. And they then would biblically require a one to three level response, right? Like if we're um, ruling our spirits and we're asking God to help us have self-control, like that would be a reasonable response. That's actually um, a little phrase, a little piece of language that we use in our home. Uh, we learned it from an occupational therapist uh, a few years ago, and we still use it. And it's great to have this language to share with the kids, where it's, is that an appropriate sized response? So one of my children would struggle with having an enormous response to a tiny thing, like a size 10 response to a size two problem. And we started using this language and it just sort of helped pause and think, no, actually, you're right, mom, that's not an appropriate sized response. But then it was funny because maybe a couple weeks into using that phrase in our family, one of the children had, uh, oh, TMI, one of the children (laughs) had this explosive vomiting experience, like in the middle of the night where it was everywhere, right? And so the child is standing there, the bathroom is covered in this, the child is covered in this, screaming to wake us up, right? In the middle of the night so that we could come help this poor kid deal with this. And as soon as we get in there, what the child says is, was that an appropriate sized response? (laughs) And I was like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> this is a time where that was the appropriate sized response. Thank you. So because we've been practicing on little things like stubbing a toe or a sibling, you know, elbowing you either physically or with their words. But when there was actually an issue that was pretty much like a, that was a nine or a 10 on the rector scale. Uh, yeah, the, the child that was their immediate thought was, was that appropriate? So that was a, that was a shaping thing, right? That was training. That was habit. Yeah. Habit training. So I love that because the idea isn't to have them suppress all their emotions. That's not the end game here. It's appropriate responses that are controlled. So I love that, that when it's a 10, it's okay to act like it's a 10. Yes. That's great. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Speaking of, okay. So going back to the, um, the pulling the kind of framework that that habit, um, Sarah, where you're 
trying to pull them toward this vision of being a godly adult. Can you give us some practical examples of, of how you might kind of cast that vision for your kids to help them um, think toward um, think toward the just yeah growing up to being a godly adult, what that might look like? Yeah, so the, the first thing is for us as moms to think about what we want our kids to look like and and pulling ourselves toward that. So if you have a two-year-old that's throwing a temper tantrum and it's tempting to let it go because he's too and cute, you want to pull yourself toward that vision and say, what does this look like at 25? Is, is this going to be a good husband and father if this is the level of self-control that he has, right? Mm -hmm. So it's pulling ourselves toward that. Um, and then as our kids get older, it looks like alongside discipline, not instead of discipline, but having conversations with them and saying things um, like in my talk, I use the example of if you have a daughter who's having trouble with friends, you can tell her a story about a little girl named Susie who comes over and takes her doll and rips the head off and throws it across the room, and, you know, be extreme and have your kids laughing. Um, and then contrast that with another friend who comes over and is kind and helpful and and helps her clean up and and then you can say if the if these kids were real who would you want to have over um and then have and then ask who would you rather be as a friend and then talk about okay let's work to get there let's practice let's role play before you have a friend come over and then plan short visits um it reminds me of the scripture we've we pull into our family a lot which is he who is faithful with little is faithful with much and paying attention to that as a mom too, giving your kids little before you give them much. And so um, that would be one way to pull a child toward that. Or, or when they're older, um, you know, let's say your son is, is a teenager and he's having trouble with his friends. Um, and you say, you know, is this who you wanna be as a dad or a husband? Cause that's what you're practicing for here. Or, you know, if he's, if he's picking on someone who's a sister close in age, you might say, what would you think of dad if he treated me that way? You know, and I, I ran this by my son and he was like, whoa, that would that would make me think. <laughs> so you're you know, it's age appropriate. It's stories when they're little. And then as they get older, just straight up talking to them about who do they want to be? Um, who are the adults that they admire? And you can help them toward that by pointing out good qualities in your friends when you see them. I, I really try to do this, especially with qualities I don't as much possess. So I'm like, oh, wow, Jen is such, isn't Miss Jen such a good hostess? She does such a great job being welcoming and inviting in her home and, um, you know, pointing out those things that I want them to notice and aspire to, because I'm not, I can't be everything. I can't be, my giftings are not in every area. So, but there's, maybe there's will be, <laughs> maybe not every area. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. What about, so you mentioned that your youngest has Down syndrome. Um, how might you suggest that some of these habits for um, discipleship work with children who have special needs? And obviously you can't speak to every, you know, particular need, but just some general principles that might be um, applicable there. So it is different. It is, it is, it has its own set of challenges. Um, things that are intuitive with typical children 
um, for you and for them don't always work out with kids with special needs. So for example, we moved, um, Amelia was pretty little, and she started just walking out the front door and walking down, down the sidewalk in the neighborhood. She did not translate that she wasn't allowed to go out the doors in the old house, so she wasn't allowed to go out the doors in the new house. She wasn't trying to be naughty. She just, it just didn't happen. And so there is a lot more uh, concentrated effort that has to go in. Um, and meeting the standards, even meeting God's standards can be much harder for kids with special needs um, from a cognitive standpoint, from a, from a sin standpoint, it's the same. Um, so for example, um, Amelia started lying about things related to discipline. So it was a heart, it was a heart issue and I was ready to start disciplining for it. And my husband very wisely said, hey, I'm not sure she quite gets this. Why don't you take a step back and make sure that she truly understands what it means to lie? And that was, I was so grateful to him for saying that because I made up a game. And I don't know if other people have played it, but true or not true. And we'd lay in bed at night and I'd say, your shirt is red, true or not true. And then it would be her turn. Well, it turned out she had a real fuzzy view of what lying was. And so even though I knew that she was being sinful in her response to me when I was disciplining her, I, she didn't quite get the concept of the lying. And so the point is that even if your child is not ready to meet the standard, you don't just leave them there. You don't just say, oh, well, she has Down syndrome. She doesn't understand, what can we do? You make progress toward the standard. You take baby steps toward helping your child get a little bit closer to that understanding. I love that. It reminds me of the verse about how God remembers our frame. Like yeah. we remember their frame and every kid's frame is different. And mm -hmm. that doesn't excuse them, you know, doesn't excuse sin, but it does mean that training might look different. Right. It, it gets broken down into many more steps. Mm -hmm. So when Amelia was in feeding therapy, um, because she couldn't, she was tube fed for a long time. And I was amazed at how many steps there were. It was like, move your tongue, move the food to the back of your mouth, close your lips, so all to swallow, right? Which in a typical child is just a one step process that you don't really have to teach them. Um, but you do need to break things down into smaller steps. And it takes a lot more forethought and effort but we're still required to help them get there. We have to have a vision for them too, and not just say, you know, okay, Sarah. You've mentioned scripture a couple of times. Like you, you've got these verses memorized and I'm sure you bathe your children in those. And I know you said at the beginning of the conversation, um, speaking scripture over your kids and to your kids and just filling your home with that, with God's word, the living words, um, how do you, how do you incorporate that? And how do you bring your children? How do you pull them into that? Um, especially if there are different cognitive levels um, between the children, how do you pull them into that speaking and conversing with God's word? 
So I started by just writing down verses that I liked. We read Proverbs every morning. Not every morning. That's the goal. The goal is every morning. And um, so I'd write down phrases that I wanted to incorporate into our home. And I just started saying them throughout the day. And then in morning time, we do mottos. And so I put some of them as mottos and taught them to the kids. Like, uh, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. I had them say that in like a, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. You know, that just making it fun for them um, to get it into their heads, especially for the littlest one. And so um, we just have things like, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Um, and I invite my kids to say these things to me as well. And they do. <laughs> so he'll be like, wow, this, this cooking is amazing tonight. And they'll be like, mom. And I'll be like, oh, you're right. Thank you. You know, so it is, it's, it's casual. It's not this like, I, you know, the Lord said, right. thou shalt let another praise thee. You know, not that. Well, you're um, not even, you're not even, um, at least in this conversation, you're not hammering um, the scripture reference. You're literally No, just I don't. Don't as, worry a, about as that. a as a mono, right? It's like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, if, if they want to look it up, I mean, they can look it up, right? There's an app for that, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's it's pretty much Proverbs something. I don't know. Right. That, that's what we say. It's yeah, I um, love that. We also do. It's it's glory to overlook an offense. You know that goes along with let love cover it. We're we're just hey, it's glory. Like think about the things in life that are that bring glory to people and god says this is glorious and guess what we get to practice this all the time so just presenting it in a as a positive not just overlook it overlook it but like no guess what this is this is going somewhere this is doing something it's glory if you're overlooking the fact that you're you know your brother nudged you too hard or whatever the case may be um, and we say, um, he who puts on his armor should not brag as he who takes off his armor. That's one of my favorites as well. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, and also, uh, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Mm, that's that, a good one. Yeah. It's very applicable. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Or just things like outdo one another in good works, you know, reminding them of that when we're finishing up an argument and having reconciliation and being like, okay, now, how can you outdo one another in good works? What can you do for your, for your sibling now that you've made, they don't always have to do this. This is just an occasional thing, but like, is there something kind that you can do that you, they won't ever know about, you know, something that you can do that you tell me you did, but we don't tell your sibling that you did so just practicing things so do you work on scripture memory as well or is it sort of the mottos that are the most habit forming for your family we do we do longer scripture memory as well um as part of our morning time we memorized uh, we memorized psalm 97 last year and we did hand motions to it I think moving the body really helps with that. And I've put a bunch of scripture uh, to songs, just like two, three verse. So it's not just the one verse memorization, but it's not quite the whole chapter. Um, and we did that a lot 
when they were little. Mm-hmm. They they and that now we review it. <coughs> it sticks, oh. doesn't it? Yeah, and we seem to have more time mm-hmm. for it when they were little as well. Mm-hmm. We they were they were at my elbow a lot more when when they were little, and so it was more conversational and it was more, you know, we'd be cleaning up the toys and I'd just start singing the scripture verse that we were memorizing and they'd sing right along. Um, now they've got more independent work and that's a little, a little harder to do. And me singing, you know, in the grocery store is not quite as welcome as it used to be. So <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> they are so much more easily embarrassed. It's actually kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, so we're talking about scripture and incorporating memory, memory work of all these different sizes, right? The motto, the couple of verses, and then whole chapter, all those different things. And it sounds like you've been doing it for a long time and I've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. We've, we've been homeschooling and doing it pretty much the same way for, I don't know, how old is, well, like, you know, at least a decade. So if someone isn't used to doing that, what would you say would be like your top tip for how to get started with that? Like, just do it. (laughs) I mean, sort of, I would, I would start with with you doing it with the proverbs and the the little things being faithful with those little things doing it even though it feels awkward um and then you know if your kids are older you can assign memory work you can do it together you know separately if they're older but together you know separately you memorize it and then you come together and you say hey how are you doing on it okay my turn to try it your turn to try it during morning time you can you can practice, um, but start somewhere. If starting, if it's really intimidating, then start with a verse instead of a chapter, and and work your way up. That's that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And picking yeah. things that are meaningful to you that you really want to memorize. Don't don't just find some list somewhere that that someone else says are great verses. But do something that you are motivated to memorize and you want to. And I, and I also would be really careful about if you're just starting this saying, okay, we have a problem with our tongue. So we're going to memorize past the passage in James about the tongue. I would start with something that's more neutral. If you've been doing it for a long time, sure, that's no big deal. But when you're first starting out, just start with something that is like Psalm 23 or Psalm 100 or Psalm 97, you know, just start with something that is um not disciplinary (laughs) that makes sense along similar lines in terms of like getting getting started with something um so say your kids are no longer in the little years they're maybe in like that six to twelve range and you kind of realize like we're really off the rails with some of this stuff like you haven't been really requiring um you know obedience or you haven't really been practicing with them or you know the the training hasn't um I don't know you just realize you're you don't have some of these habits in place what would be a good place to start do you think I think the first thing you'd have to do is apologize to your children tell them that you should have been 
disciplining them and you weren't, ask their forgiveness. Um, they might kind of look at each other like, what's going to happen? <laughs> and then tell them very explicitly what you're going to do, because now they're old enough that it's going to feel really unfair if you just come in there and drop the hammer um, on things that they've been getting away with for years and years. So so tell them, OK, um, and you'll, you'll have to take a step back. So with the grocery store example, if your six to 12 year olds are unruly in the grocery store, then you're going to have to talk before you go and make short trips first so that you can celebrate successes and evaluate at the end like, hey, that was really great. Um, there was the one little thing about you still begging for for sugary cereal or whatever. Um, so next time, let's make sure we tighten that up. You know, you're you're treating them a little bit more like adults, um, but you're still training them in, in those habits. I think um, the obedience game when they're little is so great. And my <laughs> fresh three-year-old, I need to practice the obedience game a little more. So occasionally I will have the wherewithal to say, okay, put your hands on your head. Okay, touch your nose. Okay, spin around. Now do a somersault, right? And we make it into a game and we see how quickly he will follow through with what I'm asking him to do. And then I'll start saying like, okay, now go put this in the garbage, right? And making it actually applicable. And I've wondered how to translate that into practicing with an older child. <laughs> um, and yet I know we don't need to play the obedience game. We need to have these conversations. So I think it translates into not the obedience game, but it, it translates into having conversations of this is what this would look like when I say, make sure you ask before you, you know, get on the computer or make sure that you uh, ask before you start using the stove or the oven. Um, my nine-year-old has started <laughs> using the stove occasionally without asking like I you can use the stove that's great you want to cook but let's be in the habit of at least letting mom know because there is a three-year-old running around and if I don't know the stove is on I might not be thinking let's make sure the three-year-old doesn't you know cause a problem because the stove is on and mom doesn't realize so do you have any tips on how to translate into the older kids having those conversations whereas when they're younger it would be more making a game out of it. But when they're older, what does that look like? What's your experience been? If you haven't played the obedience game from the time they were three, I think you do have to give them a little bit of a runway. So like with the stove, if I were starting that as, as a skill, I would say, okay, um, this week, I'm gonna keep reminding you. And then if you find yourself reminding the child a lot, then I'd say, all right, starting on Monday, there's going to be a consequence for that. So, okay, so you just turned on the stove and we're just going to turn it off now and I'm going to remind you, but starting Monday, there will be a consequence if you do this again. You know, so practicing with them in that way, as opposed to, you know, hey, go practice turning on the oven and turning, go <laughs> practice asking mommy. You know, obviously we're not going to do that, but we are going to give them a little bit of practice time and, and make them very aware of what we're doing on monday there will be a consequence and then being really consistent about that when that time comes 
consistency. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I wouldn't discount role play for older children either. It's just in a more casual environment. Um, and it's more of a, well, what would you say if that happened? And less of a, let's act it out. Although, you know, there's a place for that too, depending on, on your kids' personalities. Yeah. I think a part um, of this too, maybe for somebody getting started and even not just for someone getting started, I, I need to be reminded of this um, myself a lot that to see this habit training and um, especially some of these habits as just part of our job as parents. Like I think it's, especially as a homeschool mom, sometimes it's really easy for me to just get in this zone of this is our job. This is what we do. We're doing school and, and everything else is extraneous or something, not, not literally, but you know, it could be easy to, to drift into that a little bit and seeing um, some of this training stuff as almost interrupting the real work rather than like a large part of our real work. Like this is part of their education. This is in some ways at the heart of discipleship, like learning how to live life as a Christian. Um, yeah, another, another way that we can bring along older children is, is to model things for them. So I have plenty of opportunities to show my children how to repent. The other day we were in the car and we were running late and we were, I was late to pick up my son and I couldn't text him. He doesn't have a phone, you know, or no, it was my daughter. Anyway, um, and then there was a train and I was like, Lord, why is there a train? Oh no. And then I had the opportunity to say, okay, Lord, this train, you ordained it. It is for your glory. It is for our good. Thank you for the train. And I just said it out loud because I'm fighting sin in my own heart to grumble against God and be like, even though it's my fault that I left late, Lord, you knew this was going to happen. Couldn't you have cleared the train? You know, and in, instead modeling for them, okay, yes, they can see that that's the pull on me is, is toward being frustrated. And then I'm, I'm very actively cutting it out. And so doing that stuff out loud, older kids pay attention to that. And, yes. and I've heard my kids saying the words that I've used, you know, obvious that's discipleship right you're you're saying come along be as i am well that's that i better i better be modeling good things but it's along the road because i don't have this mastered you know so it's and probably that's a good thing because they need to see the repentance as well mm -hmm. yeah especially the repentance as a habit i think is huge and mm -hmm. i mean some days i think and these are, these are on our, not our best days. I think, well, if my kids learned nothing else today, they learned how to repent because mom did it a ton mm -hmm. today because mom needed to do it a ton. And, you know, on one hand, it can be tempting to be discouraged on those days, but then the good that I think God can bring from it is that, well, they got to see a lot of repentance modeled. Right. <laughs> yeah. How would you describe the relationship between discipleship and habit training because when i think of the word habit or the phrase habit training i tend to think of okay these are the these are the almost like the orthopraxy right the the way that we live out um the theology behind it and then the discipleship is more like the orthodoxy the theology of 
that, but I don't know if that's, is that accurate? Is that inaccurate? What's your take on that relationship between discipleship and habits? Is it the same? Is it two different things that work together? I think of the habits as, you know, Charlotte Mason talks about the rails. They're, they're things that sort of keep you on track when you are just kind of humming along. They're those things that, that keep you in, keep you on that path. They're the things that remind you to do the discipleship. You know, if, if you're in the habit of memorizing scripture, well, then the scripture is going to remind you of the confession, which is going to remind you to tell your children about it. You know, it all kind of works together. And so those habits just reinforce um, what you're trying to do on a daily basis and help you to plan for it a little bit so that it's not, um, if you don't plan for it, it won't happen. What about the habit of um, devotions, prayer, Bible reading? How do you pull your kids into that by conversation, by example, um, morning time, those sort of things? How, how are you encouraging your kids to jump into and embrace those habits? Uh, we, we have family devotions at night that my husband leads, and then we do morning time where we read the Bible, um, and that's when we memorize scripture and things like that. Um, this summer, we started, I heard on uh, the What Have You podcast that they were, they had a texting group when they finished their reading. And so with our little For family- the, to the word Bible reading? Yes, maybe? The, okay. the Bible, Bible reading, reading challenge. challenge. Yes. Um, and so our family's doing that this summer. And my kids are just reading the New Testament part, not the Psalms and Proverbs, just to make it a little shorter. And so I said, everyone send a chicken by text when you're done reading. And so I just sent a little chicken emoji. And then um, my son has taken great creative license and, you know, taken a picture of himself and drawn a beak on it. And, you know, so, you know they send, they have, they have devices that are, they have no internet. They're just, they can only message with us. But, um, it's been really fun and it's been my husband is normally the first one to send an emoji first thing in the morning and the kids don't see him reading his bible because he's up before them and so that's been really cool that they've gotten to see that that he's reading every day and it reminds you throughout the day to read um so that's just been a fun little way that we've encouraged reading this summer i love that because yes um that idea of well if we're doing Bible reading before the kids are up. We're not doing it out with them. You know, how, how do they know that mom or dad have a private devotional life? That's, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's on, and it's on our phones a lot too. So if my kids walk in and I'm reading the Bible on my phone, I'm really tempted to be like, it's the Bible. It, it's the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Facebook this time, guys. It's the Bible. But that, I hear that you. doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> audio helps with that so they can hear yes. <laughs> yeah right that's that's what we have going turn on it up a lot yeah <laughs> <clears throat> what are some of your favorite resources for either getting ideas or sharing um experiences are there books or blogs or podcasts that are sort of your natural go-tos yeah i love uh, there's a sermon series called Loving the Little Ones by Doug Wilson. It's a four-part series that's on YouTube. That was so formative 
for Eric and I as we as we set up our home and setting it up as a joyful garden um, while while having high standards. It seemed that everyone in society was either uh, loose and oh forget the standards, but we'll be super loving and nurturing, but no standards or high standards, but also don't pour on too much affection because you know you'll spoil them. And so this was a great uh, and I think very biblical uh, way to look at at parenting. Um, I also like Saturation Love is an article by Jim Wilson. Um, I think a lot of people who are on that side of all discipline, no affection, think they're doing the right thing. But if you don't have that basis of love and affection, um, it's not going to be effective. And then I like stories for kids when we're talking about pulling toward a vision. So The Wise Woman by George MacDonald is a great book for little girls. Um, and they, they see it. You don't have to say anything. You just read it. And the same thing with The Princess and Curdy, particularly for little boys. That's one of the best little boys in, in literature. Um, wonderful. And so I love reading good stories like that. The What Have You podcast, I really like that. I think I pick up things that they don't realize they're dropping. You know, as they just kind of along the way mention something that they did with their kids or their family, and and I'm like, ooh, okay. But that that podcast is always driving me to take a closer look at myself and repent of things that I didn't even realize were lurking. But the minute they say them, I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> so it's I really, of, it's conviction, just slathered in laughter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is kind of how I want to disciple my kids, right? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good motto. It's a good mom motto. <laughs> Work toward the standard, but we're doing it joyfully mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and with lots of laughter. Yeah. What did you love about the Paideia Southeast event on Saturday? What <sighs> What were like? If you could say three highlights of something, what were the top three? I love the atmosphere that Jen and Rebecca created. They just, it was lovely. Flowers and good food and welcoming. I mean, the, Jen is so good at hospitality. So, and they had book tables for people to, to peruse and to get ideas, um, made sure to greet everyone. And it was just a really lovely atmosphere. Uh, I loved the panel discussion. There were so many women in so many different walks of life uh, sharing their ideas. Um, and I, I loved the singing. Everybody sang together a few hymns before we got started, and that was really sweet. So it's just a lovely, encouraging, encouraging time, but that also had lots of good ideas to take into the school year. So love it. Well, thanks for sharing snippets from that for someone like me, 3,000 miles away, where I wish I could have been there. So this just encourages me and sets me up for getting back with my kids and talking about habits and taking atmosphere and beauty and song into motherhood too, right? Not just when the moms are together, but how can we translate that into our mothering and our homeschooling, our homemaking? Um, that's just 
that right there is another little bit of conviction. So, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for taking the time to hop on and chat. And Jen, always fun to have conversations with you. So yes. let's do it again soon. I'd love that. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. And that brings today's conversation to a close. You can find more encouragement and conversations on Paideia at paideanorthwest.com and paideasoutheast.com for encouragement and ideas about raising your children in the nurture, admonition, instruction, and discipline of the Lord. Please join me next time for another Paideia conversation. And in the meantime, peace be with you.